Praise God. How many of you have experienced the faithfulness of God? Amen. Praise God. Even when our hands are fisted, our hands are in our pocket, we are singing that our God is faithful and His arms are open. Praise the Lord. Amen. If the Lord's hand is open for us, our hands should be lifted up in praise to Him. Amen. Amen. Such a joy to be in the house of the Lord. Um, shall we look into God's Word? Praise God. We shall turn to Acts chapter 14, verses 19 to 22. Acts chapter 14, verses 19 to 22. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you will speak into our lives. Every resistance to the preaching of God's word, every critical spirit, we bind them in the name of Jesus. We take victory in Jesus' name. Lord, your word says they overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. We claim victory in God's house in Jesus' name for your glory. Amen. Please be seated. Today's message is titled, Going Back to Lystra. Going Back to Lystra. Going Back to Lystra. Amen. Have you ever been to places where that place has been etched in your memory forever? For any place to stick in our heart, any event to stick in our minds, that it cannot be simply erased away, it has to be something memorable, or it has to be something so devastating. It has to be two extremes for that event to stick in our minds and we carry it in our lives. We all have such events that we have experienced in our lives. I remember a couple of months ago, I took a young man from our church out for breakfast. And we were seated for breakfast, and it's a place that I frequently visit. I take the young people there to chit-chat, to talk to them. And so we were comfortably tucked away, and we started our breakfast. Two minutes into the breakfast, I found there was something unpleasant in my dish. I could see a human hair sticking out. And I just kept my plate there, and we called the waiter. The manager came, and, you know, they took care of the stuff. Even though I visit that place frequently, I walked out of this place with this thing in my mind. What do you think I said? Huh? I ain't going back there, boy. I've been going there for quite some time, all right? 
And I took some pictures and stuff like that because I know that people would not believe if I told them where it is. Guess what? A week later, all right, I'm supposed to meet one of the young sisters of our church, and uh, she says, Pastor, why don't we go to that restaurant? I said, oh, my God. Of all the places on earth, you are telling that we go to that restaurant to talk? I said, in my mind, I said, I already said I am not going there, and I have developed this, this natural feeling within me to stay away from there. No, this is something very simple. And I think we all have such experiences in our lives. You know, have you ever walked through a dark alley where somebody tried to hit on you? Have you? I had an experience. I used to live in one of the ritzy neighborhoods in the town. It's known as the Richmond Hill where all the rich people live. That's where we used to live. And I used to work midnights. You know, it's called the graveyard shift. And I had to go through this neighborhood, through this underpass of a railroad bridge where it's hardly anybody there. When I walked through that place, I had six pairs of eyes, not one. I was like all, I'm like, you know, 180 all the time, alert. And, you know, so we all have such experience certain things in our lives where we don't go want to go back and visit that place. This morning we read a text from the scripture which talks about Apostle Paul in one particular place. In his first missionary journey, he started the missionary journey and he reached a place called Lystra. And in this Lystra, Lystra is a very unique place. And you and I, I want to present to you this morning that we all have a Lystra in our lives. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, you have a Lystra in your life. We all have a Lystra in our lives. You know, Lystra, it represents something. It represents, it's a place of intimidation. Lystra is a place of assault. Lystra is a place where you've been let down. Lystra is a place when somebody double-crossed you. Lystra is a place when somebody ran over you. Lystra is a place where somebody dropped you. Lystra is a place that is etched in your heart, etched in your mind. Regardless of what you do, you can erase it out of your mind. How many of you guys have been to Lystra? Been to Lystra? We've all been living to Lystra. I'm telling you, you must be a better saint than I am because you don't remember your Lystra. Hmm. That means you have forgiven and forgotten that incident and it's totally erased from your life. Praise God for you. Amen. So Lystra is also a place of opportunity. It's a place of opportunity because 
Lystrobus ride for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul and Barnabas enters Lystra and God uses them in a supernatural way. The word is being ministered. A crippled man was born, crippled from the birth. He's raised up. There is healing and there is a wild crowd ready to celebrate. All right? To the extent that they thought these guys were the Greek gods who had come down in human form and they wanted to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. And they were trying to fight it off saying, don't you do this. They tear their clothes and says, please don't do this. This is what Lystra is. But we see Lystra is also a place of swaying. Even though there was such a miracle that took place, and the mob was ready to offer sacrifice for Paul and Barnabas, some troublemakers from Iconium and Antioch had come, and they stirred up the crowd, and the crowd that wanted to worship turned over now, oh, within a second they turned around, and the Bible says they stoned Paul and dragged him and left him out thinking that he was dead. So Lystra is also a place where you get stoned. Now, how many of you guys have got stoned? Anybody get stoned? One. Matthias and Uncle got stoned once. Okay. Huh? Yes, anybody else? Well, we live in a culture where getting stoned is not the norm. You know, if you live, live in Middle East and call it Middle East or some of those Eastern countries, when you do something wrong, you get stoned. The wrong is defined by the crowd. You know, you stand for Jesus, and if it's wrong in that culture, you get stoned. So we see that Paul got stoned because he stood for Jesus, and he exalted the name of Jesus. In our culture here, in good old America, people get stoned too. I used to work with guys who used to get stoned every weekend. You know what that stone is? Getting drunk. Getting drunk is known as being stoned. No clue what's happening. Absolutely out of control. Anybody ever get stoned like that? Nobody? Good. Yeah, I got a good crowd. I always know that. I'm just testing if there is anybody. Praise the Lord. So Paul didn't get stoned like that. Paul actually got pelted with stones. All right? And the Bible says it was as if that he was dead, and the crowd dispersed thinking that he was dead. The Bible says the disciples came and they gathered around Paul. Can you imagine this? One moment you are a celebrity. One moment you are celebrated. One moment the people want to put you on the, on the peak. One moment they want to worship you. The next moment they just drop you. And drop you, not just simply drop you, but actually Try to kill him. All right? And we see, can you imagine the imagination of the disciples that came and stood around Paul? 
what do you think they were doing? The Bible says they just came and stood around. We don't know what they did. Perhaps they were praying. Perhaps they were crying. Perhaps they were sobbing. Maybe somebody tried to revive them. We don't know what happened here. Maybe they had a memorial service. They started to have a memorial service. But all of a sudden, something happened. The Bible says, Paul got up. The supernatural happened here. I want you to come with me for a moment. Paul is down. And the disciples came and formed a circle around him. You know, we as Christians, there are times in our lives when we are down. When you are hurt, when you are hurting. When you are stoned, when you are intimidated. When you are assaulted, not perhaps with stones, but perhaps with words. And when we are down and when we are helpless, there is always thank God for that circle that comes and surrounds us. You want to call it the circle of support. The circle of love. The circle of compassion. The circle of kindness. The circle of care. The circle of provision. And I want to tell you, all of us at one point or the other, if we are a human being, we go through situations in our lives when we need the circle of support and love to surround us. Can you dig into your memory bank and pull out the times that you were sick? The time that a loved one was taken away from this world? A time when you were in an accident? A time when you went through a financial crisis in your life? A time when you went through an emotional crisis in your life? A time when there was a relational crisis in your life? Do you remember at that time people who came and surrounded you with a circle of love? You remember that? Hey, you know, sometimes you don't have enough people to surround you with love. Even if you don't have enough people to surround you and make a circle around you, if there is one person, that can make a difference. If that one person can come when you're hurting, when you're feeling low, when you are down under, when it seems that the rug has been pulled from under your feet, if that person comes and hugs you, that's a circle of love. But let me tell you, in reality, we all face situations in our lives when there's nobody there to surround you. What do you do then? What do you do? You know, because everybody might not know what we're going through. Sometimes we are good in camouflaging what we are going through. We have this big smile on our face, but deep down we are hurting. 
We are giggling on the outside, but crying on the inside. We are celebrating on the outside, but deep down you are in pain. So the front that we have, the facade that we have, the mask that we have, gives the impression that everything is all right with you. When you do that, nobody's going to come. I'm surprised when people don't want to share what they're going through in their lives. When, when people are saying that they don't want anybody to know what they're going through in their lives. Sometimes I call people who have now been showing up to the church. says, well, I was sick and nobody called me. I was like, wow. I said, did you tell somebody that you are sick? No. I says, how did you figure that somebody's going to find out that you're sick? And so you have a dilemma. You have a problem, especially when you have, in the demography of the churches, different generations in there. One group of generation feels that if they don't come, they need to be called. Another group of generation feels, why are you calling and bugging us? So now as a pastor, you're caught in between. And there is this transition that's taking place. Our older folks are becoming more and more younger. It's a good thing. They are young at heart. They are young in their mind. And they also have developed this, this mindset. Hey, leave us alone. We just didn't come today. So as a pastor, you're stuck. You don't know whether you should call and disturb them. Or call on inquire about them. I just thought I just need to add that in. <laughs> it was not planned. It just came up. All right. Okay. So coming, coming to what we are talking about. You know, there are times when people don't know what we are going through. And there are times that people know what we are going through. But they are afraid to approach you. What's that? Because the last time they approached you, you shrugged them off. The last time they approached you, you snapped them off. The last time they reached out to you, you turned them down. So they keep a distance. They know you're hurting, but they are keeping their distance because they don't know how to approach you. Well, all these things are some of the reasons but that does not relieve the pain that's in people's heart. So when there is nobody to come and form a circle of love and support around you, what do you do? You think you're left high and dry? Not if you're a child of God. You're not left high and dry. Sometimes people just simply overlook us. Even when they overlook us, let me tell you that there is a heaven that cares for you. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 22, He who is enthroned on the circle of the earth. God is enthroned on the circle of the earth. And this God who is enthroned on the circle of the earth, according to Psalm 3.3, O Lord, thou art a shield around about me. Oh, when my cut buddy forgot me, 
When my friend forgot me, when the brothers and sisters who fellowship with me forgot me, God who is enthroned in the circle of the earth, the Bible says he's a shield around about me. Praise God. So I don't want you to feel disheartened this morning thinking that nobody called on me. Thinking that nobody cares for you. Thinking that you are not important. You are important because God, he wants to be a shield around about you. Praise God. That's a shield of protection. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. There will be times when he will send the angels to surround you with that protection, cordon of protection, like he did for the prophet round about his habitation around the mountain. But there are times when God himself, praise God, surrounds you like a shield and stands between you and the very thing that wants to annihilate you. The psalmist says, Lord, you are my shelter. You are my hiding place. You surround me with songs of deliverance. Woo! When you are down under, when you're feeling sad, when you're feeling the blues, when you're depressed and discouraged, my Bible says God surrounds you with songs of deliverance. Amen. I want to pause and I want to ask three questions to you this morning. Number one, have you ever experienced the love circle around you? Have you ever experienced the support circle around you? Have you ever experienced the Lord around you? I say three yes and amen. Praise God. Question number two. We who have experienced the love circle, the care circle, the support circle, the kindness circle, the care circle, have we become a circle for someone else? We have to answer that. Christianity is not just simply receiving. Give, 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 give. Lord, I'm here. Bless me, bless me, bless me. Even as I am being blessed and I'm being filled, God wants us to become a channel. In other words, what you receive, you give out. So you got the circle of love. You got the circle of kindness. You got the Lord himself covering you. You got the songs of deliverance singing around you. Whether you were in the hospital, whether you were in an accident, whether you were going through a crisis, you heard him sing around you. My question is, after receiving the ministry, are you given out? Ministry. Praise God. Look around, look around, look around, look around. Look around, you see somebody hurting. Look around, you see somebody in pain. Look around, see somebody bankrupt. Look around, somebody going through a financial high, lows in their lives. Maybe it's time for you to speak into their lives. Question number three. Question number three is, regardless whether you received it or not, 
ye who has received the grace of God is indebted to give out. In other words, whether I got the circle of love for my friends and my family or not, God expects me to form that circle of love. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. As you walk out of this place today, ask yourself, God, help me this week to reach out to somebody. And if there is nobody else, I'm going to hug them and cover them with a circle of love and affection. Praise God. Moving on. The Bible says, Paul got up and he walked away. It was a miracle, right? Stoned to be dead. Theologians have a lot of interpretation. I don't want to go in there now. But he got up and he left. They continued the journey. They went to Debray and, and on and on they went. But I want to focus your attention to verse, verse 21. Somebody read that for me. Then they returned to Lystra. Now, the question is, hey, would you want to return to Lystra? The place where people assaulted you? The place where they insulted you? The place where they let you down? The place where they walked all over you? The place where they double-crossed you? I'll tell you what the natural man will feel. The natural man will erase that place out of their mind and say, I ain't going back. I have nothing to do with that place. What place? Our relationship is not with place. Our relationship with who is what? With who? With who? People. <laughs> People. Our relationship is not with the place. Our relationship is with people. And how often when we have a bad experience, we say that, I don't want nothing to do with him. I don't want nothing to do with her. How many of you guys have ever said that? My hand is the only one that's going up. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, we do. We say, hey, you know what? This guy ain't no good. He ain't got nothing to do with him, and this is it. We ride them off. But look at Paul. The Bible says Paul came back to the same place where he was stoned. Would you go? Would I go? I don't know. But let me tell you, the natural man would say, stay away. It's better you stay away. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to have nothing to do with these people anymore. That's the natural man's natural response. Not a spiritual man's response. Praise God. So I want to bring to you the last point this morning. 
Lystra is a place of opportunity. Lystra is a place of opposition. Lystra is a place of onslaught. But let me tell you, Lystra is also a place where the victim becomes a victor. If the victim mentality in me and you, if we have to overcome that, we have to revisit that place that let us down. We have to revisit that place that trampled upon us. We have to revisit that place that ran all over us. What am I talking about? I'm not talking about the geographical place, but I'm talking about everyone that's associated in there. Paul went back. God doesn't want you and I to live with a victim mentality. Yes, when we live in this world, we will be victimized. But a person who believes in Jesus Christ does not remain victimized because he's marching behind the great conqueror and the victor, Jesus Christ. Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem. A brutal death. They stripped him of all of his garments. They mocked him publicly. He was lifted up on the stake for the world to see. The world said it's a defeat. Praise God. Hallelujah. Jesus laid down his life. Picked up his life again. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus went back to Jerusalem. Amen. When you go back, you don't go back with an attitude. When you go back, you don't go back with a vendetta. You don't go back with a mindset of getting even. You don't get go back saying, I'm going to get back on you. I'm going to get on you. No. <laughs> Jesus went back to Jerusalem. Praise God. And you know what the Bible says? The harvest on the first day was what? 3,000 souls on the day of Pentecost. Praise God. When you go back with the right mindset, when you go back with the Christ mind, praise God, your defeat will become victory. You rise out of the ashes. Praise God. Victorious because you are equipped with the mindset of Christ. Praise God. Hallelujah. Paul went back. Why would God want Paul to go back? Praise God. Why does God want us to go back to our listeners? The answer is right there. The Bible says 
Praise God that he went and he did what? He hanged around them? No, the Bible says, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, we must through many tribulation enter the kingdom of God. <laughs> Who else but Paul can bring that message without diluting, praise God. The place where he was stoned, he goes back to that place and he talks to the disciples saying, listen, these things are bound to happen. But through all this hardship, we have to enter into the kingdom of God. Praise God. Not the message of escapism, but a message of standing boldly for the faith of Jesus Christ. And Paul, when he goes there and he strengthens the, the disciples with words of exhortation and encouragement, they were strengthened in their faith. Praise God, when they saw Paul, who had all the reason to be bitter and gripe with Lystra, come back and tell the disciple, stand firm for your faith. If you're in the house this morning, and you're going through hell and high water, I want to assure you through God's word that you're going to come through. Just stick on to the Lord. And when you come through, it's not to just walk around with a medal on your chest. Not with a purple heart saying I was injured in action. But to strengthen the brothers around you by giving them a hug of love and support. Praise God. God is equipping you. With greater grace. So that you can minister effectively. So that when you approach somebody. Who is going through pain and crisis. They see that you are able to relate to them. They see that you are able to identify with them. They see that you are able to touch base with them. They see that you can stand with them shoulder to shoulder. Understanding what kind of shoes that you are in. Christ question is, will you go back to your listras? Quite often, we don't make progress in our spiritual life, don't reach the kind of spiritual maturity that we need to because there is a listra in our lives and we have stayed away from it. Praise God. But Jesus wants you to experience victory over the listras of your life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you're let down, assaulted, if you're insulted, intimidated, it is natural that the natural man deep down within us props up with a, a sense of feeling of bitterness. An unforgiving spirit settles down. And slowly and steadily it becomes a stronghold in our lives. 
praise God. But God wants us to revisit Lystra so that you are able to let go of things that you should. Praise God. Yes, God at times will even allow Lystra's in our lives so that you can experience a growth in your life. Why go back to Lystra? There are people that need to be encouraged and strengthened in faith. Who can do that job better but you and me? All eyes closed. Can you identify your Lystra? Can you identify your Lystra? Is God asking you to go back to your Lystra? Would you go back to your Lystra? Would you put a stake of victory, a banner of victory over that victim mentality in your life? You can't go too far in the Christian realm with a victim mentality. God wants you to be an overcomer. Praise God. He wants you to be victorious. And for that, at times, you will have to go to Lystras. Catch the bull by the horn. Not for an argument, not for a quarrel, not for a fight. But to bring grace and victory over everything that challenges our life. Have you experienced the circle of love? The circle of care? And even if nobody cares for you, if that's what you think, God does. And he forms a circle of love around you. But would you, would you become an extension of that circle? Would you form a love circle around somebody who's hurting? Don't just simply hear the word and walk out of this place. Come to that place of a decision. Happy with just receiving? When you're going to be in a mode of giving? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we yield our lives to you this morning. We thank you for speaking into our lives. Lord, we thank you for the listress of our life. The listress of our life has taught us to lean on you and to trust in you. And even though we are walking around with scars in our hearts, in our minds, in our memories, we thank you for the grace that is available for us that allows us to supersede to become victorious 
so that we will strengthen the feeble hands in Jesus name thank you father for speaking to our lives in Jesus name we pray and the church said